You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle, and uh, this is a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But lately, it's been all about podcasting, and as you know, this feed is largely about whatever I want it to be about. And uh, we're going to do politics eventually, I'm sure, but a lot of people have asked a lot of questions about how I've built We Are Libertarians and the the, uh, growing empire. And so I've been recording those episodes and putting them into the feed. I was going to start podcasting and platforms.com and teach people how to do it, but, you know, there were some certain events that happened this year that kind of derailed me, and so I, I really had to focus on We Are Libertarians, and I just don't have the time to do that, but, you know, we're, we've grown a really cool uh, platform, and I want to teach people how to do that, and this seems the best avenue to do that, and one of those people who's asked me a lot of questions, they said, you know what, instead of me just explaining this to just you, why don't you come down, let's do a podcast, you can ask me all the questions, uh, as just as your students did, Don Wetrick, how are you doing? Hey, the student is the teacher. I'm the teacher has become the student today. You have you have a radio voice. Well, I thank you, Chris. No, I I I'm so I, like. Let's just start off that I'm jealous. <laughs> now, what's your podcast first and foremost? Yeah, start it up. Um, kind of an entrepreneurial look at education. It, the the odd thing is, is I'm a teacher who. Uh, has a serious issue with education mm-hmm. and uh, I'm frightened about where we're going with things and then the things that we're not doing to prepare our students. So traditionally I interview a lot of entrepreneurs and strange people with opinions right. on education. And um, yeah, so that's what I do. Now the guests right before you are two of your students, Sarah and Courtney. Yes. And uh, I am putting them out at the same time you're coming out uh, ah. and you referred them and uh, you've got a lot of students that are podcasting, don't you? I've got a lot of students that are just doing, Chris. Cool. And that's what that's what makes me excited. I mean, sometimes they, well, I, I not that I'm going to pander to Gary the whole time, but you know, I agree with Gary V that everybody's a media company, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, if 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 you're doing cool things and no one knows about it, it's the tree in the forest, right? right. So yeah, we've got some students that are podcasting, some that are doing vlogs. Uh, good blogs, photography, things of that nature. But I, I think that they can all kind of mix in. And so, um, you know, as as long as they're producing content, I'm happy. And and the other thing I like about this, and in some ways we're going to do this today, this is the think out loud. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes they don't feel comfortable with pushing out. Like, I, I always make sure that they always have some sort of a um, – Either they have a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel. And I do this for a couple reasons. One, if they can – like reflect on mm-hmm. air, so to speak. Uh, like, first of all, I'd give you like fifty thousand dollars if I could have video footage of myself at age eighteen. <laughs> I would. I'd like to watch it. Like, right. I'm like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Or oh, that, there's where it started, kind of thing. So if they can push out content, then we're all happy, and they can either look back on it and reflect, or if they push it out to the world, it's a little bit of social pressure for them to do more. Right. 
Yeah, and I appreciate you. Uh, this is probably the first podcast you've done with a cat that uh, you're. <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up. I'm I'm loving it right now because mittens. What's up, mittens? Now you've actually you are libertarian leaning, yeah. uh, and that's why you you're aware of my podcast. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I have been for a long time. I'm not sure if you remembered it. Uh, I, years ago, I had. Um, well, I, I'm sorry. A lot of students, once you start having conversations out loud, mm-hmm. and it's and it's like a politically free biased zone, mm-hmm. most of my students kind of like find this crazy thing that they have this thing like, you know what, like, I just wish there was a political party that, and they describe usually libertarians. Right. So a long time ago, I met you because I went to a libertarian event with one of my students who was a super libertarian, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I met you. So I don't even know if you remember that. It's the origin story. This is like, we're talking 2000 and... I don't. 2013. Wow. Okay. So was it a Gary Johnson event? No. You know what? No, it was before that. It, uh, this may have been like 2011. No, it wasn't. It was, <sighs> I forget. Somebody, it was a speaker. Oh, okay. And they came out and we thought it'd be cool to go. And um, yeah, uh, not overly active libertarian just because I, I have to um, watch myself. You know, I, I do a lot of other things with schools. Mm-hmm. And so. You know, there'll be schools where they'll leave. And like when I, when I do stuff on the East Coast, you know, if if they even get a hint of like, I smell some Republican on you, yes. then I don't get asked back. And if at the same time I go to Texas a lot and they're like, I smell liberal. <laughs> right. And so I can't. Welcome to my my struggle. I almost said my comp. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I mean, it's true. So, yeah. Go, go on our Facebook page for We Are Libertarians. It's 87,000 people trying to determine what tribe you're in so they can uh, either reject you or embrace you. I mean, and, and it is. It's it's a weird environment now where everybody's just so tribalist with politics. And I, I just, I hate it because I'm a nonpartisan person. I, I want to be open to all different ideas. And I think it's great when you when you create an environment in your classroom where you can do that. And I think that's you're you're a communications teacher. What's your well? So yeah, your bag, well that that's that's the interesting thing. So I used to be yeah, I used to be a um, broadcasting, uh, documentary film, all these other things. And then we had this weird experiment called or innovation class. Mm-hmm. Uh, origin story is I watched Daniel Pink's TED Talk and I thought. Man, master autonomy purpose. Mm-hmm. Instead of people working for money, his point was they work for master autonomy purpose. I was like, what if I did that in school? So instead of a grade, they pursued things they've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I end up growing this class, and it's gone nuts. I mean, that's that's the reason why we get so many guests from the beginning is because the entrepreneurs had seen what we've done, and they're like, I see what you're doing over there, and that's right. freaking cool. So now I'm just an I'm just I'm an innovation teacher, um, and we do. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of it's self directed, and a lot of it is in it. Not always is it entrepreneurial, but I usually push for them to try to be. So you have your Start Ed podcast, Start mm-hmm. Ed Up. Yep. Uh, you've interviewed a lot of really cool people. Yeah, I think this is probably the number one question I get. How'd you get that guy? Right. And I think, I think without doubt is because I'm a teacher mm-hmm. and there's some sympathy. <laughs> right. Right. And then you're, you're and, poor. You're, right. 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 And I've downtrodden ran, and I'm, and I've ran with that because, well, okay. So again, the, the, the whole breakthrough of the class was Dan Pink endorsed what we did. So I knew I could count on Dan. Um, but the other part of this is like, we like students and I would reach out to people because I, I haven't, I have an entire week. I say entire, like it's a long time, but I have an entire week 
dedicated in class to social media and branding. Okay. And so I'm like, get your profile right. Get LinkedIn right. Don't don't do stupid things on Twitter. Don't mm-hmm. do stupid things on Instagram. Even on Snapchat. Don't do stupid things. And so we reach out to people so we can Skype call them. Mm-hmm. We started getting some really cool people. Like, really cool. And so one day we had this two-hour conversation with Tim Ferriss. And wow. then one of my students was like, did you record that? I was like, yeah, I did. Actually, I put it on Facebook Live, I believe. And they said, why don't you, like, put it out, put it out? And, like, yeah, why don't I? Yeah. And, and we had access to really interesting people. And, and so one day I pressed record and then started going from there. So what is was it a function of they Facebook Live in to Skype and it's your student's Having a conversation with Tim Ferriss is that the idea? Well, of, no, of that this? was that was the original. Well, that was the first way we did it. But then a lot of times these people who I was flattered they talk to me. They're like, "I'm available from this time to this time." I don't okay. like that's it, right? So if I didn't have students, like there was no podcast. So they're mm-hmm. like, "Are you going to talk to me or not?" And then partly this was Tom Billu's thing. So Tom has a, a show called well had a show called show called Inside Quest and now has a thing called Impact Theory, and he had a podcast for his employees and cause he, you know, interviewed these great minds and he wanted to pass that on to his employees. And so they weren't available live. So he put it out for them supposedly. So that kind of was the same mantra that I was going to interview really cool people about education. And then quite frankly, give my kids a Rolodex mm-hmm. like, Hey, I just talked to this guy at YouTube. He's one of the head guys. Hey kids that said, you want to be a YouTuber? There you go. Right. So um, only like two, I think only two of my podcasts have been with students in the room at the same time, um, and one of them they deliberately asked that. That was Jocko Wellnick, and he's like, "I really, really prefer it if it was your students also asking them questions." But other than that, a lot of times it's, you know, it's seven p.m. Eastern or Pacific time, so I'm doing it at night. Kind of. <laughs> gotcha. So give us the give us the roster. Give us the impressive <laughs> roster. Name drop a little bit. Name drop. Um, well, I guess I could start with Ferris, but I never put that one out. Like, I still mm-hmm. have that, and he said I could use it, but I'm kind of hoping, Tim, you're listening, I'm kind of hoping he'll um, he'll do another one because uh, the audio, well, I wasn't set up for audio that day. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Tim is not listening. <laughs> well, never <laughs> I'm know. sure he... You never know. We have around seven, 800 listeners to this show, but, but Tim's not, but, not one of them, I would but guess. But <laughs> somebody is a friend of a friend of a friend. Right. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, Dan Pink. Um... Gary V, James Alster, um, Jocko, like I mentioned before. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, Jeff Hoffman, who started, well, helped co found Priceline.com. Um, John Acuff is on this week. Uh, I don't know. You've Several got, cool I mean, people. You got on, uh, obviously, we've been friends, but as a podcaster, you got on my radar when. I open up Facebook one day and like there you're in James Altucher's Studio. office and then yeah. you go to you went to New York and like you did this tour of Alt- Altucher and uh Gary Gary V John and, Fort John Fort there's yeah. a guy there's a guy Ugh. I really like John uh Fort Knox podcast so yeah hmm. I mean I don't know man it's been dumb luck in some ways and but yeah I remember we we that's when I started asking you some questions too because I had already been following We Are Libertarians, and we can we can weigh on that here in a second. But like I've been noticing your growth and noticing the things you guys are doing right, and uh, I'm forever a student, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure out things. So yeah, those are some names. I'm I know I'm missing out. On, I'm forgetting like some really cool people, but um, 
Uh, and and it's funny because some of the people that aren't well known have been my favorites. Yeah, some people that are like, oh my gosh, what you just said was amazing. Um, you know, John Yushai. You know, he's like head of creator content at YouTube. Twenty mm-hmm. four year old kid who's just cooler than cool. Um, it's those episodes I really like too. And quite frankly, and I'm not going to name names on this one, but sometimes the celebrities um, aren't as they're phoning it in. <laughs> right. Or they're looking at their watch. So. At, at, at my day job, um, yep. the, the, some of the best comedians are the guys who have done comedy for 20 years but aren't celebrities. Yeah. And so they know how to put together an appearance. Yeah. Uh, and they don't have much to lose. <laughs> you know, they're still hungry because they've done it for 10, 15, 20 years. And then there's the guys who are just pros, like Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, who get what they're supposed to do. They call in and they kill it. But then there's like the guys who kind of aren't familiar with the fact that every time you call into this particular program, you're speaking to 300,000 people. I mean, you're speaking to a Lucas Oil Stadium plus right. Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Like, like, don't just, you know, and it's just another one of these phone calls. And it's like you talk and, and you watch it on the late night circuit. You get one of these actors or actresses on, and they're just like so uninteresting because it's not uh, important to them. They don't—they're yeah. being forced to do it by the studio. So, so yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's those—it's those people who have experience, who have done it for a while, who are still a little hungry, mm-hmm. that always make the best guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in every venue, every avenue I've ever worked in uh, over the last fifteen years. I mean, it's and so. You want those big names because those big names really do bring people in. I mean, uh, out of the 1.5 million downloads that we have, 113,000 of those are Ron Paul, you know, and Ron Paul's interview or 10 minute interview was not that interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ron Paul said what Ron Paul said, that you could get anywhere else if you listen to Ron Paul. But, you know, having Noam Chomsky in 2013, we interviewed Noam Chomsky and Mark Thornton and Ron Paul and and. Jeffrey Tucker, Tom Woods, Gary Johnson, like these names helped lend credibility to our RSS feed at a time Mm -hmm. that we needed to establish credibility. Mm -hmm. And because you always have to, this is a, this is a confidence game. Yeah. (laughs) You have to have, people have to have confidence that you are worth their time because if you're going to ask people to spend five hours a week listening to you, they have to know that you are worth their time. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I've been very transparent now. I don't do a lot of interviews because I just think everybody does a lot of interviews. And I'd like to start doing some with people that aren't, you know, just your typical libertarian names that you hear a lot of. Right. But I do, you know, we have, we have built a certain, uh, it's like friends sitting around a table talking about politics and that's kind of become the banner. So to start doing interviews kind of breaks what has made us popular so how do you then show that social proof uh-huh. and social proof is a concept of uh it's it's not you talking about yourself that makes people impressed with you it's when other people are talking about you that they trust and that's what social proof is so right. so when don wetrick posts a picture of him interviewing james altucher somebody that i respect i go oh his podcast is serious <laughs> you know and for me social proof the reason that i'm very transparent about our numbers when a lot of podcasters don't put out their numbers, they don't say, here's the growth of our audience or here's the decline in our audience, here's how many downloads, because like we average between 65 and 7,000, 6,500 and 7,000 downloads an episode. 
Wow. Which, oh, 7,000 people? That's not a lot, but you heard Don just go, wow. Uh, yeah. Because that's a monster audience. That's Absolutely. Pu- that puts us in the top 1% of all podcasts. And yes. so, so when I put that number out, I rely on the fact that a Doug Carr or a Don Wetrick is going to write, holy crap, that's huge. Yeah. My peers are going to go, oh, wow, that's a big audience, and they're going to start talking about me to their audience. They'll start taking me seriously, and then when a Jeffrey Tucker takes an, a libertarian entity seriously, then their audiences will take you seriously. And so that's part of the reason that I do put out our growth and our numbers and yeah. our Patreon. And No, and I'm, that's exactly why I wanted to come here and, and, and meet with you, because, and I'm also transparent about mine, too. Yeah. And I've actually got the, the opposite problem. Mm-hmm. Me having Gary on my show meant nothing to my educational audience. Right. Matter of fact, it's one of the reasons why I had it. Like the day we interviewed Tim, mm-hmm. I put out an email, and I love where I work, by the way. Mm-hmm. But I said, "Hey, we're going to interview Tim Ferriss. How many teachers in a building of ninety teachers? How many people knew who Tim Ferriss was? Like two, two, yeah." And I was like, "Well, there's your problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you don't know who Peter Diamandis is, I don't want to talk to you, kind of thing, you know? Right? And, and I don't know if you know who that is, yeah. But, like yeah. these are people I really look up to, and that was the reason why we chose to go the author entrepreneurial route. So our base is weird." So me and my social proof, I'm like, I'm posing with Gary. And that's all of a sudden when I almost made the shift from going to an educational podcast to an entrepreneurial podcast. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'm not like, you know, we're going to focus today on 10x growth and we're going to talk about, you know, hustle and grind. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a podcast called The Millionaire Blog something. And like this dude is just so nakedly uh, like he's just like a huckster. But I learned a ton from his podcast, but he's like, I made $10 million with my blog, and you can too, and five easy steps to blah, 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 and it's, you learn a lot from it, but he is, he's, there's this whole segment of people who are trying to be John Lee Dumas, Yes, and uh, I, I, I think they're all just marketing to each other, and it just becomes kind of incestuous, and it's like the comedy community. Like, I tell comedians, because comedians contact me all the time and say, hey, how do you do podcasting? And I say, first and foremost, don't do a comedy podcast about comedy. Yeah. Don't do a comedy podcast or, or do a podcast about politics from a comedian's perspective yeah. or parenting from a comedian's perspective because you're, you're, uh, it, it's math. So it's like the first thing that I learned freshman year, first class, was journalism. Mrs. Burris taught me that you have to have your content be relatable that's why journalists always try and local media outlets to relate to a local person. Yeah. And if you're doing a comedy podcast about the art of comedy, that's a very small percentage of the population. But if you're a teacher who's funny doing a podcast for teachers, that's there's a lot of population out there. And so I'm not surprised that as you shift more from the entrepreneurial sector, which is very saturated with a lot of great content, to interviewing teachers about their experiences, their unique tactics, that you're going to see a lot of growth because you're getting a lot of teachers going, oh, I can relate to this, I can use this, I can, I get something of value out of this. Yeah. That's why We Are Libertarians has grown because most, and this is why I set, I set it up with two basic principles. I want to do a libertarian podcast. Okay, what is everybody doing? They're interviewing famous libertarians to yeah. talk about libertarian philosophy for a libertarian audience. All right, well, that's good, and you can become significant in the libertarian circle, 
but what percentage of the population are are in the libertarian movement? Mm-hmm. It's a very small. It's 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 one percent of the population. Okay, well, how do I get a larger piece of the pie? Okay, set up the show so it's funny and relatable with a cast of characters with a format like Howard Stern or Bob and Tom, where people can relate to that that conversational tone, and secondly. Help people sound smarter when they're talking to their friends. Yeah. Give them. Yeah, inf- sharpen their brain, too. Give them yeah. libertarian principles applied to current events. Yep. Because even a Democrat or a Republican will go, I want to hear what a libertarian thinks about this subject. Yeah, without ruining it for all of us. Right. So <laughs> you rarely hear us talk about Mises or Rothbard or what yeah. inner, inner circle spat there is. We talk about net neutrality. We talk about uh, Supreme Court decisions. We talk about politics because that's what people are interested in and have questions about. I woke up to three text messages from friends going, what should I think about net neutrality? I don't know. I know you're my smart friend about politics. Tell me what you think. And so I just took that principle and applied it to my podcast, and that's what's led to a lot of the growth. So I think as you kind of start giving your audience something of value, because audiences are extremely selfish, they only care about you as long as they're spending time with you getting something out of it. Yeah. I think you're going to see a tremendous amount of growth. I'm glad you said that. I mean, as kind of the the aha moment I had because <laughs> teachers were listening at first and I think that they still were, but like the biggest one-day spike I had other than Gary was I made the announcement that in 2018 I was going to interview teachers. Hmm. And I was shocked, like literally. And one of the reasons why I didn't do it at the beginning is because, like, again, people didn't know who Naveen Jane was, Tim Ferriss, people like this, Tom Bilyeu. I forgot to say Tom Bilyeu. But, um, like, because I, I, I wanted them, I wanted the educational audience to know who they were first. And I kind of had this in mind, but all of a sudden I started getting emails from people like, hey, you say that not enough teachers don't do this and most don't, but I do. And here's what I'm doing in my classroom. And I was like, holy shit. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, that's cool. The only thing is they're in Sheboygan or they're in rural North Dakota and they're really killing it. But the only people that know anything about their classroom are moms and dads and aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And so that was like, oh, my gosh. I do want to put a sh- like a showcase on you, and then like you said, I mean, now those of course they're selfish with it. They're going to be the star of that show. So I'm I, I'm hoping I will see um, some exponential growth, and yeah, the the seven thousand an episode. I, that's just right now unimaginable. I'm I'm lucky to squeeze out a thousand. Yeah. Um, but you know, baby steps. Yeah, it, yeah. That's that's such a huge part of it. Is it's you know we started out in Rupert's gubernatorial headquarters in 2012 and then moved to my apartment and it was just cheap mics in a cheap board and do a cheap recorder and then over time it's grown because it's it's like you said earlier uh just start it yeah just do it yeah and like, you'll learn along the way yes oh my gosh the guest and his name eludes me i was interviewing some as an author it was like last night the episode's not up yet but he the st- craziest of simple quotes he's telling his dad on this book he was gonna write mm-hmm. and he said son there's only one shortcut i know in life and that is to start right now mm-hmm. and he's like yeah okay i'm gonna write this book he's like no seriously get out your tablet jot it down what outline do you have what is it going to be about do you think you have chapters in mind like start it right now and that was exactly when when that student said did you record that on um, the thing that we did on facebook live with tim I was like, I'm going to start this like tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, I started 
calling out for guests and tweeting and sending emails and doing whatever I could. And so uh, I, I like that approach. Just start it now. Yeah, I'm writing right now before you got here and after you leave. I'm writing this. So, so I have a problem. A lot of our audience is new and we're adding a thousand people a month. And so God, that's awesome. They they don't they don't quite know who we are. And people are like I said earlier, people are trying to figure out what tribe you're in. And so, OK, so I have a problem. People don't give you the time to learn what you actually believe to figure out what tribe you're in. So how do you solve that problem mm. to help retain more people? Mm-hmm. Because you have to be quick in in showing people your cards because they're not going to give you four months to listen to your podcast to right. get all of those principles. Give you three minutes of that first episode. So right. write a statement saying, here's what we're about. Here's who we are. Put it up on the Facebook page. Mm. Put it up on the website and make it very clear because not only does it help you define what you believe, what the principles of your show are, but it also helps define it for people to bring them up to speed really quickly. And so I was like, you know, I don't know. I should Maybe I should take some time before I post this and think about it and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know what? This is going to be an evolving document just as like the intro to the We Are Libertarian show sitting in front of me. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host. We bring you all the reverence modern politics deserves. That has morphed and changed so many, like yeah. weekly. Yeah. Like, you know, the intro and what I want people <laughs> to do. Here's who we are. Here's who I am. Here's what I want you to do. Heads up. You know, please be warned this show is raw, unedited, and authentic so the language can be strong. That is a problem that listeners let me know about. Hey, I like your show, but I didn't expect there to be curse words. Yeah. And so, okay, heads up. There's going to be some language here. Yeah. You know, in this show, we'll bring you X, Y, and Z. Well, that was a listener saying, you know, I, I really kind of just want right at the beginning to know what you're going to talk about so I can fast forward. So as you just start, your audience will bring up problems that mm-hmm. you then solve, but you're never going to like know those problems until yeah. you start doing it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's, that's, I think you just have to start and then be open to getting Get that feedback, feedback yeah. and then start solving those problems. No, that's along exactly the way. how we run our class right yeah. there. I mean, like, don't tell me about this thing you're going to start. Start it. And what is that Reed Hoffman quote? You know, if when he looks back at his first attempt at something, he's not embarrassed by it. He waited too long. Right. I love that mentality. Um, and, and then getting that feedback. Matter of fact, I, I don't know if you watch Louder with Crowder. I I think that he's trying to expand his audience because now he has this segment called Change My Mind. I, I, I have not watched a lot, but I did watch the two genders episode of that yeah. for the that's the first piece of crowder i've ever taken in yeah i i have enjoyed watching his ascent to um youtube stardom of sorts and and it's you know he started off you know uh, kind of as a comedian with mm-hmm. a right wing slant and then and then it, that just became everything and i think now that he's doing that changed my mind he he he's trying to bring on more centrists or libertarians as well he he has uh he is actually the impetus for the that thought that i had earlier he was a comedian who had sympathies who saw a market that didn't have comedy absolutely and started to fill that need and you see owen benjamin kind of starting to go that direction too Mm -hmm. and if you become the movement's comedian yeah as opposed to I'm a comedian who does conservative. Well, if you're a comedian who does conservative content, you're not you're out of luck. Yeah. Unless you market to that movement to show up to your, to you know, absolutely. You know, like if you're Jeff Vibbert 
a friend of mine, you can you were a comedian who couldn't get a headlining gig, but then once your barstool heart lands, Jeff Fibbert, mm-hmm. then you're using the same material to sell out clubs, yeah. you know, and it's because you built a community outside of what you were doing. You're marketing to those people. You're giving them X value, and then you use that skill that you have to bonus the audience, and so that's a huge feature of like our shows that we're funny. We're, yeah. We try to be anyways, like, but we're not comedians doing politics. We're political analysts Being who, funny. who yeah. don't take themselves seriously. Yeah. And that's the that's a big difference. Well, I, I think what I love about what you guys do is you show a level of vulnerability, but also thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's the knee jerk reaction that everybody else is going with. Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's break that down just a little bit. <laughs> right. Like net neutrality is a great example. Oh, of that. my gosh. The, the Internet is going back to 2015. Oh. Like, the internet still will exist. Yeah. And the reality is that Comcast has seen the marketplace reaction to if they tiered the internet and started partnering it out. Secondly, Norwood, Netflix, YouTube, Google, all these companies, they're not going to partner with the people that they're releasing statements uh, vilifying yeah. on. Like, they're saying, we would never partner with these companies to do this. So... This is a mood issue. Like the scare tactic that net neutrality people I, are using is is it's been laughable. Right. It's yeah. prop. There's so much propaganda, and that's really what I'm. My show is about is getting rid of the propaganda around an issue and finding what the reality is. Yeah. Well, and even when it's uncomfortable, like well, I I, I sent a tweet back today. Somebody had a you know. You know, Netflix is going to be this much, and this is going to be that much, and I said, "What's your timetable on that? <laughs> right. Would you be willing to make a wager?" Right. You know, if, if Netflix is going to be $55 because of bandwidth, blah, 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 I'm like, is this going to be in a week, a year, three months? You want to make a wager? Mm-hmm. And the reaction was, well, but still. Okay. Nice yeah. nice point. Yeah. No, I like some of the things that you're weighing in on um, the uh, guilty until proven innocent uh, time we're in with the Me Too. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think there's some assholes out there that have sexually harassed women? Oh my gosh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there isn't a man walking around that can't look back on a situation and go, yeah, I, I could have handled, handled that. I right? could have handled that a lot, especially in your younger days. Yeah. When you, you know, it wasn't until 32 that I really had a friend sit down with me and like explain to me how to treat women with respect. Yeah. You know, I mean, I respected women, but not in the way that women wanted to be respected. Yeah. And that, that's a huge difference. Like, when you're in your 20s, you think women want to be respected a certain way, mm-hmm. but women don't have the – they're too polite to say, hey, you're being an asshole in reality, and yeah. you need that one female friend to go, hey, jerk. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, I just – but there's also a power shift where you – this is good. The Me Too movement is yep. good, but yep. one of the unforeseen consequences is that women may lose opportunities because men are now afraid of women – because the power balance isn't equal. It is now women have the ability to get you fired, so you better treat them differently. Without any recourse or anything. Right. Yeah, I know. So the That's pow- what's scaring me. So the power shifted from males having power and abusing it to women hopefully will not abuse the power that they've been given now. But it's certainly not equal, and you're going to see backlashes along those lines. And it's But and, th- these are the yeah. things that you, well, you've got to strip out the emotion and the propaganda and start thinking about and having the courage to say... Could yeah. we pause for a second? Let's and think see about if, this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, I've, I've watching this unfold has been. In some ways, it's funny because um, I, I, I know some people have been pointing this out, but s- some of these people that have been accused is you know 
you you live by the identity politic, you die by the identity mm-hmm. politic, and then there's people have been waiting for their you know day of retribution. It's it's been here for some, but um, I I just like it when like when you pointed out like could we just pause and and give this some like thorough looking into instead mm-hmm. of just you know broad you know paintbrush of everybody's guilty. But again, it's not to say that this hasn't been a long time coming. It has, but uh, I'm afraid. Well, ultimately, what I'm really afraid of is that there's such a backlash or there's such a, well, now that we can't trust women from, you know, flirting with us, mm-hmm. uh, we'll just not hire women. Yeah. Or, you know, we're not going to talk to them or give them a chance for advancement because, and I hope that that pendulum swing doesn't go that far away. Although, again, the fear now of mistreating women is on people's mind, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Uh, just like you, I hope it doesn't go. Um, every every man bad. needs to examine their own beliefs, just as every woman needs to examine their beliefs. Because women, you know, like I've I've long talked about male vulnerability mm-hmm. and how women a lot of times don't let men show insecurities and how that's a real problem. I didn't realize that was a thing until I heard Brene Brown talk about it, and I think, yeah. you know, she's she's certainly somebody who should be listened to on vulnerability and shame. I mean, so. So, yeah, I don't want this to devolve into politics, but so what are some of the problems that you're having in your podcast that you need to solve? (laughs) Um, Identity. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said before, like, am I an educational podcast that features entrepreneurs? Am I an entrepreneurial podcast that features an educational slant? Mm -hmm. Um, And the answer to that both is yes. So I, I think by blending, you were kind of alluding to this earlier. I, I'm, I'm now blending the two and I have like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday lineup. Monday is just that five minute, you know, me off the top of my head. Here's the thought for the week. The Wednesday is the entrepreneur, author, pseudo celebrity. Mm-hmm. And the Friday is going to be a teacher. Cool. And and I'm trying to blend those two worlds. And I think that's Mittens. That's, is, Mittens is done being petted, apparently. Well, she's she's I don't she may not like my lineup. She she's like no, don't have educators on Friday. You. Sorry about that. <laughs> she, hey, just get get out of here. This is what, um, this is for this back scratcher is not to scratch my back. It's to move my cats off the table because they're. But how many podcasts have a cat not, guest host? Not so, enough. There you go. Uh, Dave Jackson, I think. So no, I I, I think that this kind of format, I, I'm hoping that that has been my biggest identity crisis is that I'm not necessarily exactly for one audience. So I'm trying to blend two. And then secondly, it's just me figuring things out. Like I've had, I've talked to some people and they're like, well, tell me how you're growing your email list. Well, I haven't. And they're like, you're stupid. That I agree. And I don't have an email list. I have like 200 people on it. And I wish that I had, uh, and I, I apologize. My nose is stuffed up. You can hear it, but I wish I had set up the email catcher at the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that I'm going to do better in 2018. But, you know, six years in, I'm going to be better about that. The best time to start was 2012. Yeah. The second best time to start is now. Yep. Um, I, I To the identity issue, I would take yourself out of it because you're asking yourself about what your view, and I had this for a long time, and I didn't really, it didn't really catch on until 2018, but especially once I set up my Patreon and started forcing myself to have interactions with a lot of my audience, my core fans. Like, I forever took the Steve Jobs approach. I know what makes a good show. I know what makes good political analysis. I will tell you what that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that led me to do some things like this year, especially with, over the last few months, where focusing on the comedy aspect on the uh the joking aspect and it it we shed audience 
because what the audience really wants is the hardcore analysis. They want the politics. Yeah. They don't want the characters because you can have some of that and you can be funny, but they don't want you to be they don't want an hour of fluff and an hour of analysis. They want 10 minutes of fluff throughout the two hours. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that I got until five and a half years into my own show because of my own stubbornness, because I was looking at it how I wanted to do the show, how I wanted to look at it. But once I started like looking at my audience, and how do you do that? First and foremost, I have a pod track survey up on my website. I ask people to take it. I've had about 80 people take it. That's that genius. gives you a good idea. You read the reviews in iTunes. And you set up a Facebook group around your podcast, and you're going to start with 20 people, and eventually it grows into 1,300 people, and then it becomes like a good convert. You, they're yeah. not they're not going to say something in the the thing, but you're going to get the super fans of your show mm-hmm. that you can then privately message and say, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And we now have a Discord chat, which is a gamer messaging yeah, I'm platform. About that, yeah. yeah. And so gamers love Discord, and now those people are not because they're all INTJs. They're not afraid to tell you what they like and don't like because they don't have any social skills. But uh, you have. <laughs> You start to identify, you know, those two dozen people, that two percent of your audience that has the courage to tell you what they really think. Yeah. Um, you know, Samantha Wotes is somebody that for five years has told me what she likes and doesn't like. She's been somebody who says, hey, I want more shows. You're not being consistent because we weren't consistent. We were two a month, three a month forever. Yeah. And then once we got consistent and people could rely on the fact that we were going to have a Thursday night show, airing Thursday, released Friday. They knew it. That was a huge part of our growth. Building a website with some content as a home base was a huge part of our growth. Mm. The Facebook group was a huge part of our growth. The Patreon was a huge part of our growth. Adding a second show. like You always have all these little steps that add more people, and then they, because they're fans, start interacting with you, and then you can start asking them, like, what do you want? But as far as the identity goes, I would just say... You need to identify who your target audience is. Yeah. Like, my target audience is a Gary Johnson voter. Mm-hmm. Um, our audience is probably more like Reason and National Review type folks than... Oh, my gosh. Why didn't I mention I interviewed Nick Gillespie on your show? Oh, really? That was just stupid. Yeah. I didn't mention that. <laughs> so sorry. It's so, just... like, it's... you you Okay, what are the similarities between the kind of content I'm doing and other major media outlets than what do their audiences look like? So when – and a Facebook page is huge because you can go into the business end of the Facebook page and look at your audience. Well, the We Are Libertarians audience is highly educated. They're between 25 and 54. They're about 70% male. They're, they have graduate degrees. They're all college educated for the most part. They have higher incomes. They're white. They're married. They have kids. Okay, so then you can kind of build an avatar that you're designing stuff around. And so what I've always done is I've picked a single person in the Libertarian Party that I was trying to craft programs to or – at my current job, what is the caricature of the person that I'm trying to program content to? At We Are Libertarians, what is the average makeup of the people that I'm like? And really what it comes down to is my audience looks like me. Mm-hmm. Middle class, upwardly mobile, cares about issues and politics. What would I like? So, yeah, you do have some of that. But so I'm really what kind of con- what kind of media do I consume? What interests me? 
And I would rather read The Hill than LewRockwell.com. Mm-hmm. You know, I, which is I would rather watch Politico than Alex Jones, mm-hmm. or I would rather read Reason than read Mises. Right. You know, and so because they're covering current events and current politics, so go all in on that because that's what interests you. And as I have done that over the last two months, I'm seeing my average go from 4,500 to 5,000 up to 6,500 to 7,000 yeah. because I'm now giving them the red meat that they want. And so that's really good. So instead of focusing on what I thought was what people wanted, which was the comedy part, I started taking a look at what do they really want, Yeah, and I've, I've been rewarded by that. And, you know, my Patreon started out, I mean, it's at, a, at 1,100 with 94 people, and uh, it's it was overnight we got 500 people, literally overnight, $500 uh, in Patreon subscriptions. And it's because we're giving people a product that they want. And you're never going to have success if you're focusing on what you think the audience wants. You have to start focusing on what they want yeah and so you have to have kind of a good idea of who they are um and start so are you getting more feedback from the facebook group or or what like because like, i'm I'll, like hey now i feel bad thank mm-hmm. you um, no i'm not I, no, <laughs> no, no, no no i'm joking I'm don't joking. feel bad I, no because like, these is... are some of the things i haven't yet considered and i'm like dang dang now we do have a facebook group i'm not as active as i should be ironically enough my facebook personal mm-hmm. is usually very supportive mm-hmm. i've got a large twitter following but twitter's always spray and pray yeah um but like that when you're telling me like get more feedback I'm like oh my gosh you're right so uh, are you throwing out incentives for them to give back uh, to just, their opinions or are you just like literally reaching out like who's listening and then you DM them or yeah something? so like right here at the opening of every show this show is crowdsourced so you can send us news with the hashtag WAL news we're in our Facebook or Discord channel we're always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at com. so I'm giving you Hashtag, which is super easy to do, which yep. is low barrier to entry. Facebook group or Discord channel, which which requires you to do two clicks. Or email, which takes even more time, but is more in-depth. So I'm giving you one, two, three, four ways to contact me and encouraging you, giving the audience permission to contact me. Because you don't, people don't want to bother you. And they don't want to take that time without that permission to contact you. And so that's why I say this and I say it throughout and I constantly promote those avenues and say to people, I want you to follow me. I have on on the front page of the We Are Libertarians website my personal Facebook, my personal Twitter, my personal email. Like I want people to contact and interact with me uh, because and, and most of that interaction happens on my Facebook Messenger because I am more active on my Facebook page and it's connected to the group. But it it that's really where most of the interaction happens. And so, like if I were I, if we were to sit down at the very beginning and put together, um, you know, a a ghost audience for you. I know advertising has like a specific term for this, and I forget it. Uh, but it, it's basic marketing. Like you have to have an idea of who you're marketing to, so you, then you can design your messaging. And so, if you and I were to sit down, and you were hiring me to build a podcast for you. Um, which I'm not opposed to uh, people paying me to do if you're out there, um, you, I would say, all right, your core audience really is going to be teachers. So what does your average teacher look like? Probably middle class, white, mostly female. So you want your content, like you don't want... 
You, you Man, these broads are so hot. You want you right. want to emphasize more softer content yeah. that is more emotionally engaging, more vulnerable. Uh, and so, yeah, it's funny you say that. L- l- let me let me have you weigh on this then. Uh, so let me finish this okay. train of thought here. So more emotionally vulnerable. Well, what's a good way to do that? Have people tell their stories. Yeah. And so you find teachers that have overcome some adversity to tell their story, that and and also techniques, not a not a technical show. If you're male oriented, I would say have people on from educational think tanks to give you the 10 steps to here's the technical thing to this. But I think women and everyone story is how the human brain, that's the software that learns things. But women especially gravitate towards story and vulnerability. And so start crafting your content with that, with that in mind. And the way to do that is talk, talk to individual teachers who have, figured some stuff out, have them tell their stories, and then your teachers are going to go, man, I feel that same thing in my day-to-day job. That answers a problem that I had. And so that's who I would say your target audience should be. Yeah. Uh, so let me let me have you weigh in on this. So after, um, actually both Seth Godin and Gary have said this to me. Gary was a lot more blunt. So after the show was over, his in a very Gary way. Mm-hmm. He's like, why the F are you trying to F and change teachers and education? I'm like, well, cause we have to, we need to. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, let me ask you a question. He says, how many, how many people come up to you after, like I do a fair amount of keynote speaking. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, how many people come up to you and say, I wish my son had your class. I'm like, Oh, that's ex- almost exclusively what I hear. Like whenever I go up, he's like, Oh, if you only would have had my son five years ago, mm-hmm. or I wish my son or that student. And I said, yeah, I'm here. And I'm like, yeah. he says, then why aren't you going after the parents? Hmm. He's like, educate. And, and this is not me talking. This is Gary. He says, but education doesn't change that fast. Parents do. He says, while education takes its sweet time, the next five to 10 years to pivot, a parent will say, no, I need this right now. Right. So that's one of the things that we've shifted because like my company, um, the things that we put out content, not podcast wise for, and this is going to have you weigh in on this, is like now like my online course is darn near for almost homeschool parents, mm-hmm. like hoping their kid can be more innovative and entrepreneurial. But I've not really tended to my, because now that I hear myself thinking out loud and especially after some of the things that you'd recommended, maybe I should be a little bit more, hey, parents, have your kid listen to James. He knows what he's talking about. Right. Or, you know, I just a couple days ago, I featured two of my students. One of my students has made, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about how much his money he's made on Bitcoin. <laughs> right. Well, but he was also one of those weird, I should say weird kid, but he's one of those kids that in middle school bought it. Mm-hmm. So he sat on Bitcoin for the last three and a half years. So you can do the math on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like, you know, getting more parents to say, you might want to pay attention to this. Thoughts mm-hmm. on me trying to market parents? Yeah, I think, uh, and, and I don't think there's any any problem with having like, for instance, I have uh, the the what I have noticed is that a, an RSS feed is a channel, and people tune into that channel for a very specific, yeah. singular reason. And if I put anything into the RSS feed for We Are Libertarians that is not an episode, that is not hardcore politics, I I I get I lose people, and I get lower downloads for that episode because it's a violation of what they want and that's why this this feed exists because i have an existing audience that will listen to my hodgepodge of stuff Mm -hmm. um 
you know, if I wanted the Chris Spangle show to grow, I would have to choose a strategy and execute it. So I think marketing to teachers to improve their job performance or parents who want to change education are two very different things. And I don't think that you well, can. Well, I'm not saying that parents who want to change education. Parents are what's what the best for their kid. Their kid. So, you know, like, hey, what can what can my son learn from Seth Godin? Right. Kind of thing. So I think that is. And students and parents have different goals, too. So you've got to. So so you could do two different shows, uh, you know, and craft the content in a different way, even like you could take a Seth Godin interview and you could do different intros, but use the same interview in three different channels. Even, oh, yeah, because with three different strategies, because the intro is really kind of what defines it's the paradigm that they will view that interview through. Um, and, you know, a student on podcasts are sitting there. They're not looking for a, a show about teachers. A parent isn't even looking for shows about teachers. Uh, so or teachers aren't looking for shows for students. They're a little more forgiving. So it just really there's three very distinct groups with different needs. And you kind of need to define what interests you the most. So it's not about like what will get you the growth the fastest, but yeah. it's really about what subject, what problem are you going to solve? What audience are you going to serve yeah. that interests you the most? See, that's the problem. Right. You don't like, know. I, I'm, I'm emotionally wrestling with that. Uh-huh. Because when Gary said that, it hurt me, but he was right. Mm -hmm. He is. Um, like, I, I, like I was raised by a teacher, you know? My dad's a teacher. My mom's a stay-at-home mom. That makes her a teacher. My sister's a teacher. And when he tells me, like, teachers don't care to change, I'm like, oh, come on, man, they do. Mm -hmm. But, but, I know a lot that don't want to mm -hmm. change. And, and he says, but all parents want the, well, maybe not all, but most parents want what's best for their kids. Right. And there's this wake-up call in education, like, hey, surprise, the ROI of college isn't, it's not paying it's off. It's not there. <laughs> and what we're doing with high schools and middle schools, we you know, some of the things aren't relevant. Mm -hmm. And so that message rings a lot more true. Like I'm like like just saying that, I've just offended some teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, but no parent is putting up a fight. What I just said. So so you could you could change the name of your show to Changing Education. Mm -hmm. Get some really cool artwork, and then say this podcast is about changing education and if you're on board with this movement this podcast is for you whether you're a teacher student or parent um and you make that your mission you know my my mission went from all of the irreverence modern politics deserves to we make you sound smarter when talking to your friends which would you prefer a few laughs along the way or i want to sound smart yeah that's a huge that's a that's a big shift but you know it's if your mission really is changing education, then you you say I'm here to change education, and if you want to be on board with me, well, but I think you know, the, thinking it through, like I I guess in reality, my job isn't change education; mm -hmm. it's to empower people for the future. Mm -hmm. It's to empower people to be more innovative, creative, and entrepreneurial. And too, and, too vague. Yeah, I know. And that's that's been right. kind of the hard part. In, in this remember, sense that, audiences are selfish, so you can't be vague like that. Okay, so thinking out loud, like <laughs> prepare your kids now, or mm -hmm. you know, freelance to freedom, or um, you know, stop sitting on your ass and complaining about things. Do something now, or <laughs> I mean, 
Uh, help help prepare your kids for a changing job market that you don't understand. Yeah. Like that's something that is a that is probably not being a parent myself. And, and I'm sitting here thinking a lot of older Gen X baby boomer parents don't understand the gig economy. Yeah. And they, they want to help prepare their kids, mm-hmm. be it in middle school and high mm-hmm. school. So they have a ton of questions about how to better prepare their kids to be entrepreneurial in a different marketplace. So how can you help them understand that? Well, and, and ironically enough, now I am circling back to what the whole start ed up is. Mm-hmm. It's treating education like a startup. And education doesn't mean you have to be an educator. Education education means that you, like uh, one of our things that really struck me is one time I said, you know, all, all kids are homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Just mine get home at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. But they're homeschooled. Right. We sit around the dinner table. We, I, I have an active investment in th- my three children. And I think with that is that if I can get across that message that all kids are homeschooled and um, we're interviewing people that are preparing, because that's the one thing, like some people I have on are, have been shockingly correct about where things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, this, that, hey, here's an inside track to some people that are telling you what to avoid, what not to avoid. Um, you might want to jump on or, you know, FOMO. Right. Yeah. And, and so let's take Gary V's statement and look at like the popularity of your class. You have... In your classroom, in your innovation class, a proven model that is working for people. And parents want their kids to take that. So you can use social proof and say, as the teacher of one of the first innovation classes in America, I've started a classroom that teaches children that best prepares kids for the gig economy. Yeah. And if you want to get insights into my experience, tune into this podcast so you can help better prepare your child for the future. And so that right there, (laughs) that that right there says, here's my experience. I'm taking the experiences I learned over the 10 years of developing this class, and I'm, I'm connecting them to experts in the gig economy to better prepare your child. That, to me, is a winning description. I like that. So I'm marking that. Yeah, 52 minutes. (laughs) There we go. So so, I love that. Because, and you ought to think about not only your name, but also your uh, artwork to be as modern as possible because you're, you're, you're not, you're having forward thinking parents listening to this. Any ch- any parent who is not only going to enroll their kid into an innovation class, but is also going to listen to a podcast about how to get their kids in is going to be very tuned into the marketplace of innovation of, you know, like Reed Hoffman's artwork for his podcast. Like that's a great business podcast because it's doing something different. It's taking the NPR model that works. It's got great outstanding artwork. It has a name attached to it. And you go, okay, there's a lot of social proof here. It looks like it's on top of the, you know, and so start ed up. I don't, there's some, you, you, there may be problems with the name. Um, you may want to put innovation and education in the title somehow, because the title, the, you know, like for instance, if you go search, it's, we are libertarians with Chris Spangle dash news and politics from a libertarian perspective. So I'm telling you when you're in iTunes, which is how most people find every podcast on Apple iTunes, that this is a libertarian podcast with that examines news and current events. Okay, so that's really important to have. And then the the artwork, I think my artwork is, uh, it used to be a 10 and now it's a 6. 
<laughs> and so I need to refresh that at some point very soon. But it's expensive to go on 99designs or have a graphic artist or a, a an ad agency do that stuff. But it could be a project that you have for a student that you pay them 200 bucks to do some artwork for you. You right. know, somebody who has a design eye. But I think it's really important that you, once you kind of get an idea of your new brand, to have that refreshing look and be current and be cutting edge. Yeah, I'm just going to be transparent and say there's a part of me that, like, I loved everything you just said. And then yet there's a fear of me that, now, mind you, I am 11 months old. Mm -hmm. This podcast is 11 months old. And, like, again, I agree with everything you said. And then I thought, man, but if I change the name of my podcast, everything I worked for, I also think that I'm going to be doing this podcast for the next five to 10 years. Right. Um, walk me through that. Uh, I don't know because I'm going through it too because I'm I'm seven times your size. Yeah. And five times uh, longer in terms of I, I've got six years of brand equity and We Are Libertarians and the artwork. Uh, I've had three designs for the, the logo. Uh, and in some ways, I think the name hurts me for what I'm trying to do because every time I post on the big Facebook page to 87,000 people, it's, well, this isn't what a libertarian thinks. You're misrepresenting the philosophy because every single post that I'm posting is being judged against that person's yeah, view of what libertarians are. Right. Yeah. Their bias is evaluating the content, and if you're representing their tribe right. So if I went with WAL politics, wall politics, I wouldn't have that problem. And if I had a less authoritarian look and more of a current and modern hip look, I think I'd probably have a lot more growth, but... Or alienate your original base. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but I think there, with any, gen, like, I have a good sense of what works uh, because I've got a lot of experience in this. That's what I do for a living for the day job and have for a long time. And I just think that sometimes you have to make these big changes uh, and you'll be rewarded. You have to go with your gut because if, uh, you know, if I... You know, when, when I had uh, a co-host leave who was very integral to not only the philosophy but also the 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 tone of the show, it it was an opportunity to keep doing what I was doing poorly that I was losing interest in doing or innovate and start doing something that I feel is more true to myself and uh, hope – there was a lot of – there were a lot of sleepless nights after that in uh, September because I didn't know if the audience was going to stick with me. This is my future career. Yeah. And I can uh, rise to the occasion and take some chances and hope that they'll stick with me or I will go down with the ship. But what I've seen is if you put work and effort into something, you're, you're constantly shedding and regenerating audience. Absolutely. I've seen this at the day job on, on a mass scale you are constantly regenerating your audience, and it's a constant regen. Like people listen for twenty minutes to to anything. To it's the world that we live in, and so if your content is good and you lose, let's say I changed the branding and I lost a thousand of those seven thousand people, uh, then I will regenerate that in a month. But I just don't think, for instance, that a lot of people have a lot of a. Uh, allegiance to the logo <laughs> to the brand name 
like it helps generate new audience because people are interested in libertarianism but I could do that with a different brand name. Yeah. The core audience, the community, is there because of me and their friends in that community. And so I just don't think that you lose a lot by changing a, a brand and, for and, a podcast. And this is a stupid question, I'm sure, and I think I know the answer, but just because I like the RSS feed is the same, so therefore all of a sudden the name changes, it's not like I have to start from zero. Correct. All the original subscribers are subscribed. Exactly. They just look at it and I'm like, oh, what's that? Different artwork, different name. Okay, well, you, Don's you, still hosting it. We're good. Yeah, you prepare your audience over time, which is something that I've been doing. I've been getting in our community group saying, what would you guys think about a, a this or that? And That's cool. Getting them weighing in on it. Uh, I've been talking about it on here. I've been talking about it on the show. Like I'm thinking about doing this preparing them for that change and i don't because i don't know if i'm going to or not yeah because i'm i'm of the same mindset like i've got brand equity why well, would i want to change cool because then you almost have a crowdsource where people like write in and go no idiot right then you're like you'd oh, be good stupid. point or right. or somebody really like i seriously i, I struggled with what you just said a while ago because it all sounded like a really good idea but i need that you yeah. know i need that <clears throat> and, and, I, and i'm not asking well actually the people that do, so I have had a little bit more of a call to action recently, ironically enough, from a friend. They're like, dude, tell them at the end to do this and that. And so I've also been saying I, I'm taking suggestions for future guests. And some of the suggestions are nice. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the suggestions are, I'm just going to be mean and saying, like, this isn't every time, but, like, I work for a multi-level marketing and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to be on your show. I'm like, uh, Yeah, no, I mean, no. <laughs> and that's just the nature of mass audiences. I can tell yeah. you I spend my day looking at things I don't care about from people who don't get what we do at, at various levels. Like we, we did an episode last night about Bitcoin, and you can verify there's, you know, 50 questions on here, and three of them were worth answering, you yeah. know, and it's yeah. just because – you know, like when I say, hey, I want to know what what are your questions about Bit Bitcoin? Uh, can I get that at Chuck E. Cheese? Why didn't I buy any? You know, <laughs> only a dummy would invest in this. Well, there's an inherent question in that that you can refute. But, yeah, right. you know, so you you aren't you take it with a grain of salt. And I just people as long as they feel heard, they don't feel insulted if you don't do what they say. Yeah. And if somebody does feel hurt by that, then they're the ones with the emotional problem, not you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. My podcast host didn't listen to me. <laughs> but yeah. they, they, you want to make them feel heard, but it doesn't mean you have to do what they say. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Well, give me a ton to think about. <laughs> yeah. To <laughs> struggle with. So what kind of uh, equipment questions do you have? I, well, now I'm just, this is not realistic for me what you have here listen to me give a visual representation of a podcast no i'm looking to the right and i see a beautiful soundboard i see your h6 although i you know um a guest once told me if you can afford to go travel and, and do those podcasts and unfortunately i don't live in los angeles nor new york city um but there's a there's a couple of guests that i have coming up that i think that if they if they're okay with it i'll i'll travel to them but uh i'm, I'm gonna probably take a little bit more um I just got the H6. I'm going to take it a little bit more seriously and see if I can do. But on the on the doing it via the website, um, I, I'm starting to look at Zencaster because it splits it into two tracks mm -hmm. instead of just one. Because what I have like now is Zoom. Um, Zoom's been all right. Like for some reason, uh, what was it? Uh, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. It was the Skype recorder. 
the worst audio spikes I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I don't recommend Skype generally. I think that it's a pretty shitty way to, yeah. do, or a pretty crappy way to well, do when that. I was, yeah, when I was first starting, it was just it, like the best success I had was with Google Hangouts. Yeah. Just the audio version of Google Hangouts. And then Zoom came, you know, well, it's come along, but I discovered Zoom. And then uh, I did a, a show with a, a lady, um, Jennifer Gonzalez, The Cult of Pedagogy. Hmm. Um, she was like, oh, she's like, hey, your, your, your show the first day had 15,000 hits. She's just huge. Right. I'm like, what? Um, but she's well, also been very, very deliberate on her branding. She is just for teachers. Right. Anyway, to your point. But, um, you know, she she used, you know, she used Zencaster. That was the first time I used it. But she's like, hold on a second. Your, your part of the audio hasn't uploaded yet. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it splits it in two tracks. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. So I've been... I've been looking into those things, just trying to get a little bit more control via the, you know, if I have to do that. And and to be honest with you, I'm like, I can't afford to fly out to here and there. So the majority of my episodes will be, for better or for worse, online. Yeah, so I have a, Zencaster's good. I use Ringer. It's a Ringer without an E uh, at the end. And it does the same thing. It records it in a lossless format, which is high quality. They have to keep their browser open you're asking them to do a little bit of extra work, which uh, some people will or won't do. Yeah, um, but your yes. guest hosts usually will. So, like, I I love having Brian Nichols on. He lives in Philly, and we use Zen or we use uh, Ringer, and it sounds great. It sounds like he's in the room. But if he were on Skype, we'd have a lot of problems with that audio. And it records. I'd not only record the full mix on the Zoom H6, but I I have our separate tracks too. Um, I I just I think that using something specifically built for podcasting like a Ringer or a Zencaster is much better. It's much better sounding. Skype is trying to deliver to the masses, and, and Ringer is not. And yeah, I, I think all of all of this is is some of it is social proof. So could I have fifteen dollar headphones? Absolutely, but. The AKGs are 50 bucks. They look nicer. They yeah. look more professional. So when somebody tunes into the video, they see a, a real-looking broadcast. Somebody yep. with a SM7B, they, they see, oh, well, Joe Rogan has one of those. They have one of those. Mm-hmm. They must be serious. Not only do, not only that, but it makes my little chipmunk voice sound better. Um, yeah, I mean, the the processing, the, the sound of the show, if you go back and listen to 2013, it sounds significantly worse but still good enough oh yeah and like the zoom h6 now does everything like the zoom h6 is a great piece of equipment that you can have up to six people just on itself just like on without, its without this board right on here. the own yeah so i can take like i take this on the road with me i have you know three or four good decent i'll mean, mm-hmm. have the sure right right so i have some like was the at 70s or something like that yeah. like decent Audio mics. Technica's make great mics, right? So I, I plug those in the XLR and I'm I play I tweak a little bit on the the settings and I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so awesome. so no the Zoom does everything you need it to do, and so when we go do, uh, you know, in the Chris Bengel show, some of the ones with the Emily Sweet were recorded at her house on the Zoom. Some of the Miranda's World, uh, it is a great piece of equipment. I have a a rolling cooler <laughs> that I have uh, six mic cords that I spent 12 bucks on each on, yeah. on Amazon for the send it cords. And then I have, uh, the SM 48s that we used to use the sure SM 48s. 
as I've upgraded to 58s, which mm-hmm. just have a little bit of a better sound. But the 48s sound good enough, and uh, I just keep all that stuff. I keep the four mics and the four chords in the bag ready to roll. It's... And then I, when I'm ready, I just put the zoom in there, and then I put it in my trunk, and I head off, and and it sounds it sounds great because you've got the same kind of setup as we do here. And as I travel next year to, you know, Porkfest, for instance, I'll, all I really need is this. The yep. the top here, you see the the mics. It sounds great. Yeah. Um, this can be a USB interface. You can plug this into your computer, and it can serve as a USB interface. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Like, my Yeti, my blue mm-hmm. Yeti. Throw that away, please. Seriously. Oh, I, I mean, the dude, things. okay, so I'm, uh, that, was, that was my next question. So, uh, like, so far, because uh-huh. I, get, I get people say, like, Dude, you sound great. Now, mind you, they're used to um, people talking straight into their Mac right. without any mic. So if I had $1,000 burning a hole in my pocket okay. and my wife said it was okay, mm-hmm. and I shouldn't say that. My wife is the most spectacular person ever. Um, so I've already got the H6. Like, I had $1,000. What would you spend on Go? First, Zoom H6. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. That's off the board. With, like, with- I don't... Like I already like you I already have a thousand dollars up and above that. I already have the H six, okay. and and all of a sudden I get a thousand dollar gift card, right from okay. from anywhere. All right, you buy this mic right here, the Sure. No, no. I, th- I think uh, I would buy probably four SM fifty eights Sure SM fifty eight mics. I would get OK cords. Yeah, the these this is a beta, but because this this particular. SM58 beta. So the one I'm on you're talking about. Yeah, it okay. has, has a better sound for female voices, which is why I originally used it for mine, because mm. I have a higher-pitched voice, and when I have women, I have them use that mic because it's got a little bit more of a pickup. I love the fact that you know that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the SM58s have the on-off switch, so that sounds really good. Uh, you've got... I would get a uh, a USB interface. I would get a Focusrite Scarlet, which is you know sitting down there, which is something that... If I have to do uh, uh, an interview on the road, then I do that. The other mic that you could get, if you didn't want to get the SM58s, you could get one of those 58s. I would get an Ars Technica ATR USB mic. It's about 60, 70 bucks, Mm -hmm. and it's great. It sounds great when you plug it in. And if you're going to do a solo podcast, you're just starting out, you want to do a podcast for under 100 bucks, get one of these mics because it's a great-sounding USB mic. Mm. Um, I, I would... I would spend the money and get a processor because if you're doing, uh, you know, right now, if we just sit here and don't talk, you don't hear my air running. You don't hear I the, know, the interstate that's across the street. It's I have four DBX boxes, DBX 286s, that uh, DBX 286s, they, the four of them help filter out all that news. They boost. They have a lot of gain. This mic needs a lot of gain. And so it makes all this 58 sound good too. Okay, but you, how much money are we talking now? Now we're now we've spent your budget. Okay, so <laughs> you can go with a Behringer MDX 4600, and it allows you four inputs. It's 200 bucks, and you can run things. You know, you can you're going to need four extra cords to run in and then mm-hmm. out into the Zoom. Uh, you know, you this board this. The reason I have the Mackie Pro SFX 16 is that... Intimidate your guests? Not just that, (laughs) but it's a stationary thing that I can run inputs into the MDX. I can have a bunch of inputts, and the outputs are especially important. 
when you're running two, three, four cameras yeah. and you want to input them, then yeah, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. And so really if I'm if I'm if you're giving me a thousand dollar budget, I'm saying get the four get them four mics, possibly the six extension, maybe the zoom uh boom extension for videos, and then I would take that extra five hundred dollars that you have and buy a Mevo. Okay. Because the Mevo camera is the there's it's now four hundred. There's a plus version that's five or six. But the Mevo camera I found to be it was glitchy when I had poor internet. But now that I have uh the the hotspot running the Mevo camera, it it looks really good, it can record great video, and it fits in your pocket basically. It's just a great little piece of equipment that you can live stream to Facebook and it's very versatile. I, it's very easy to use. Uh, I, I really like it a lot. I would also say get a hard case. I've got a, uh, you know, one of these hard cases for the yeah, Zoom. Pelican. Uh, you know, like a, yeah, like a Gator case or whatever. I think I spent 80 bucks on that. Um, All right. Yeah, I mean, some of you, that 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 boom if you're doing videos you can do great videos with your phone yeah well that's, that's the other thing i guess i didn't talk about is that actually this is the fun part yeah. I, i've got um i mean the uh, first episode was last night but one of the guys that's with us on the started up team is he's a black guy and um we have usually different perspectives because he teaches inner city and i don't and uh so it's it's crucial conversations mm-hmm. and um yeah, it's great because when I have a different opinion, he doesn't call me a racist bigot. <laughs> and when I when he has a different uh, opinion, I don't say he's stupid. He's just a wonderful human being. And so yeah, was, like last night's first episode, and we ran it off the you know camera when I flip up my yep. laptop. So we're gonna take that more seriously. Yeah, but- you're gonna need to do any video that you're gonna live stream with. You're gonna need the iRig, which is the iRig two, which is what I use. Mm-hmm. Is a great little piece of equipment to I plug it into the iPad and then the Zoom. Uh, mm. or, or the Mevo picks up the audio from the iRig, mm. which is basically a converter. Uh, you only need the $37 iRig. Uh, you, you need one of those. You, uh, What else do I think is essential? I always recommend a backup. So I have a Zoom H2, mm-hmm. which is uh, something that I've... I, this is what I originally used. I bought an Alesis Multimix 8, which I still recommend. I think it was a great $120 little board. And then I plugged everything into it, and I ran into the Zoom H2 and recorded that way for the first five years of this podcast. And I think the Zoom H2... This is a backup. This like, is a backup. Oh, my gosh. Everything went to heck and handbasket, but it's we, all here. we still have there. Yeah. Okay, that's so, a really good idea. And I run from the $35 Behringer headphone amp into the H2 just to have a backup recording because... I've lost, I've forgotten to hit record. I've lost so many things. And I think if you're talking to a Tim Ferriss, you got one shot. Yeah. You know, and even if it's, you know, your friend sitting around here, you don't want to go back and like say, hey, sorry, can we do that again? Yeah. After 30 minutes. And we've done that in the past. And I've not had uh, a problem. I've not had to, had a failure with, with this system. So I think an H2 is a really good backup. Yeah, it's also great. great to take to like, a, to put on a podium. If you're recording, uh, like Radley Balco talking about police brutality, so the other thing is maybe an eighty dollar, hundred dollar ring light from uh, from Amazon. Mm-hmm. I've got the four hundred dollar dimmable LED lights because you don't need a lot of light uh, with the Mevo camera. So plus they're low profile, but those are four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, 
Uh, so that was, and this is my house, so I want them to be right. low profile, uh, you know, but you really only need one light, but lighting plus your phone plus a tripod for 25 bucks, uh, then you get a full video rig. I mean, you really, it's, it's, you're looking at between 50, to have a professional studio like I have, you're talking two to $3,000. I was going to at least, I guess four to five i mean over the course of the six years yeah. i've easily spent sound dampening stuff between and, 20 yeah. and thirty thousand dollars <laughs> on this uh honey if you're listening no and, <laughs> and so i've just now started to make money um i'm you know i i will probably it will be years before i get that investment back um but because right now I take the Patreon money, we get around a thousand a month. I take that and I put it into news sources. I put it into a little other pieces of equipment. Because once you get into it, like this stand is thirty five bucks. There's five of these. Then you've yeah. got the tablecloth. The the tablecloth alone was thirty bucks. And then there's each cord is seven dollars. And and so it just all really starts to add up. And yeah. so that's why I say now is like get the Zoom. It does everything. Get some eleven dollars send it cords. Get some SM fifty eights at forty bucks a piece, and you've got a podcast. Yeah, and you can literally do everything, and you can do it for less than five hundred bucks. But if you're trying to start a podcast cheap, don't because <laughs> yeah. you, you, you're never going to do a podcast cheap right. Right, and sound is well, so incredibly important. Unless you have a really really sympathetic, I mean, I'll push back a little bit on that. I, I think that if you're if you're content is always great i mean obviously you'll scale up by your quality mm -hmm. but um there's some people that i've like they're so engaging uh that they people well like you've been pushed over time to get better and that's the reason why your patreon's grown so i would encourage people i i, I slightly disagree that even if you have no if you have bad equipment out there is better than never and if you are truly have good content People will beg, well, not beg, ask you to do more. Well, what I, what I mean, we started with, I started with a fifteen hundred dollar investment total. Mm -hmm. I took out a, a second yeah. loan on my car. And if you aren't willing to spend it, yeah, then you're not really taking it seriously. But it was yeah. also that fifteen hundred. Now you can buy for five hundred in the yeah. in the the equipment setup. I just you know, so it was two thousand and ten. So it was things were different back then, and. Uh, you know, if you go and listen to the early episodes of We Are Libertarians, it sounds fine. Uh, but something weird happened along the way where people just started to want to give me money and wanted to give me equipment. And mm -hmm. I've had this conversation a lot with coworkers who are struggling to like, struggling with the choice of asking their audience for Patreon subscriptions or merch or whatever. And I'm just like, if you think you do a good show and put out a good product and people get something of value, then it's not asking for money. It's saying you get something of value. Would you mind pitching in to help pay for it? Right. And that's really how I've positioned Wall. It's like it costs me four to six hundred dollars a month to run this thing at this point because yeah. we've grown so much. And so if you like it, then I need you to help pitch in, or else it's going away. Yeah. And so if you don't want us to go away, help pitch in. And for pitching in, I'm going to give you some bonus content. Sure. Which an extra hour of content a week makes me more tired, but it doesn't really cost me anything. Right. So it's and people enjoy that bonus content. They get more of what they really like. And so the seven thousand people may not want to hear an extra hour, but there's a hundred that do. Yeah. Or a two hundred that do. 
And in 2013, Joe Ruiz and I were sitting there talking about the growth of this. And he goes, you know, can we start taking donations and selling merch? I'm like, we don't have the audience. We have 300 people listening to this. Mm -hmm. There's going to come a time, though, that I think people will just want to give us money, though. And he says, you're an idiot. They will never, nobody just wants to give someone money. Yeah. It's like, but that happened. That happened in 2015 where people started saying, like, hey, I heard you talking about that piece of equipment. Is there a way to donate that to you? Yeah. And so... That's cool. People will pay for stuff that they love, and it's truly humbling to create something that people want to donate their paycheck to mm-hmm. to invest in. That's so, awesome. so it's really cool to 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 grow something that people love like that. And and I would highly recommend setting up a Patreon because it 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 brings you closer to your audience. They feel more invested in it, and it helps you offset the cost of doing it, and that makes you work harder at it. Yeah, something I'm definitely gonna set her. Well, man, I'm gonna listen to this three times because <laughs> I have a lot. Like I, I'm also, I feel so naked. I didn't write anything down. So luckily, it's recorded. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me come out uh, sure. and have this out loud conversation. Um, and hopefully, if if people are either doing a podcast or starting a podcast, I'm hoping this was valuable as well to them because it was a lot of really cool info. So, and and you have to come over to Casa de Wetrick. I would love to. Show, I'll love show to. that. Show you the um, raw bones of what hopefully will will be growing up on the on equipment and, and layout and all that other good stuff. So I sincerely appreciate it, man. Sure, and thanks for uh, coming on. One final plug for your stuff. Yeah, so um, best way to see a lot of things I do. I'm most active on Twitter at Don Wetrick. Uh, the Facebook page, facebook.com/slash/startedup. Uh, the podcast of the same name, which who knows that may be rebranded, but for right now, iTunes, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Uh, started up and um yeah give us a listen i would man if i started though just go to straight to episode two don't do episode one uh it's me and my student trying to figure things out but episode two is with jeff hoffman and i think that one just made my uh stopped me in my tracks how good that one was so give that a listen and man i'm honored if you do listen and i'm honored uh to be you know with an og podcaster <laughs> taken and and learning and and, uh, getting advice from some of the best. So appreciate it, Chris. All right. Thanks, Don. Yep. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.